Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America. I'm telling you, people, now is the time for Sioux Falls, South Dakota to rise up and be the best that it can be. The finest nation, city, state in America. All right, we're going to spend a couple hours here on the Patrick Lally Show, engaging in some energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, national news, and politics. We're going to talk about athletics, which uh, specifically means the triathlon. I know you're all excited about that, but it's a great story. So stay tuned for that. Well, what else are we going to talk about today? Mm, we're going to do a little pop culture, a little music, all that kind of good stuff, but always, always, always. Some local, state, national news and politics. Uber producer Dan Peters. Oh, he's in the studio. I can see him. He's right there behind the glass. Thanks for spending some time with us today on your radio at Information 1000 KSOO. Streamed live at KSO.com. The KSO mobile app on Facebook or following along at Twitter at Show. Uh, Dan, a few weeks ago, I don't know if you remember about this, remember this or not. I wrote about uh, I had uh, I had uh, many several years ago now. I had purchased a lovely uh, mid seventies Schwinn Varsity. I think it was even an eight speed. It wasn't even yet a ten speed. It was an eight speed. Definitely retro. All retro. Uh, if you remember the Schwinn Varsity thing is bulletproof, it's tank, right? It's a lovely bike. This one that came in like yellow, this one was the green, was the awesome green. Now, admittedly, this bu- bike was a little uh, road hard, put, a, put away wet. And I wrote about this uh, because at KSO.com not so long ago, because for many years it had just been uh, a box of parts because I got this bike from this guy. I think I paid him 25 bucks. Uh, at Black Sheep Coffee one day, the old Black Sheep over on West 12th Street there, where I would stop every morning on my way to work. And uh, I'm usually on my bike. And he was selling this thing, so I bought it from him because I always wanted to have a single speed. want to tear that thing down, build it back up uh, like the kids do, you know, the hipsters. That's what the hipsters do up there in the Twin Cities and such. That's where all the hipsters live. And... Uh, so I bought, and so I took it all apart, down to the bare bones, cleaned it up a little bit, put it in a box, forgot about it. Okay. Then I was uh, uh, moving some stuff, uh, getting some stuff out of storage. You know, just like why? Why do I have so much stuff? Just getting rid of stuff. And I I found this box, um, and in the frame, and I just hung the frame up in the garage because it looked kind of cool. And a nine year old says to me one day. What the nine-year-old who lives in the house where I stay, he uh, he says, uh, "What's with the bike? Why? Because we got a lot of bikes, okay?" And uh, I'm like, "Well, I just you know I got it once and it, I was going to make it into a single speed." And we started talking, and and I said, "Well, you you know," he's like, "I want to put it back together." Like he thought he could put it back together that afternoon. Well, that's not going to happen. So no, there's the box of parts, there's the frame. Have at it. Well, you know, he's he worked at it for a while. I showed him where a few things went. And, uh, you know, he, he ran into some, a spot of trouble <laughs> with getting the crank back on and stuff like that. So then I'm now I'm kind of interested. I'm like, you know what? How does that go back together? And so we start working on it. And uh, I start figuring some things out. And I look back on the YouTube and I figure out a little bit more. And I'm remembering some stuff. And... Uh, you know, pretty soon I got the I got the crank back in there, all lubricated back up, all the pieces, and it spins fine. And then I put the fork back on, got all the bearings in there, and pa- repacked them with the grease, and got that put back together. Okay, now now it's starting to look like a bike again, and now I, and I became kind of obsessed with it. And uh, so over the weekend, I uh, I bought some wheels off a guy I know because I had lost the wheels. Those old Schwinn, you know, and, and, and in doing this, uh, and I was researching a few things on, on where things go and that kind of thing, I, I relearned a bunch of the history of Schwinn bicycles, which is awesome. 
the original Chicago factory where these things were made and how they made them. You know, basically the only thing that came into that Schwinn factory, they didn't like originally didn't buy all parts and put it together. They it, everything came in is just like rolled steel, and then they made the frames there. And, uh, you know, with this electric fusion welding system and just amazing story about Schwinn bikes made me appreciate them all the more. Now, again, these things are tanks and these wheels are, they weigh about 10 pounds a piece. So there's a heavy bike, right? But so this weekend then I got the wheels. So once I had the wheels, then it was like, we are accelerating. We are accelerating towards something here, people. And, uh, but at, I, I needed something. It needed to be kind of a hipster bike. So I got a chain, single-speed chain. I just left the, the, all the cogs on there. I just ran it from one of the front chain rings to the, the back cassette, just right in the middle, and uh, got some, found some tires because Schwinn parts are always a weird size. You know, everything's just a little bit off. Uh, that way you had to buy all your stuff from them. But so I found all the parts I needed. Luckily, Spoken Sport had, had it all in stock which doesn't happen when you're working on a Schwinn that often. And uh, picked up some other stuff from some other things. Anyway, bike's done. Went on the maiden voyage this weekend. I chopped down the bars, made them into kind of like mini bullhorn things. And uh, it's done. Finished project. Hard to believe, but it, you can, it, it rides great. It's heavy, but it rides great. We'll see how, uh, if I actually... Ride it. To, anybody want to buy a uh, Schwinn Varsity <laughs> Green single speed? It's awesome. But now I have two single speeds, and I, I'm worried that, because I did it with an old Nashiki once, too, and now I'm worried this be kind of a thing. You're going to get sucked in to the bike building yeah. thing. Like every time I see an old bike, I'm going to want to like buy it and strip it down. And But that would be bad, because I... I counted up the bikes, my bikes, JP's bikes, the nine-year-old's bikes, the seven-year-old's bikes. Uh, there's 14 bikes in the garage. <laughs> okay. Then then here's my advice to you. Yeah. If this yeah. ever crosses your mind, is like, you know what? I could, I, I could, I could take that bike. I, I could fix it back mm-hmm. up. This must go through your head first. So instead of Schwinn, it's the old Schwing from Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Schwing. Schwing. That's funny. That's what I'll remember, and then it'll it'll make me think of something else instead of. I think I could do that. Yeah, there's so many old bikes out there. You'll take your ADD and then put it into some other capacity. Maybe I'll take it down to. uh, do this and just take them to Center for Hope because they have a fine ministry down there at Center for Hope downtown. Yes. 10th, uh, was it 11th Street and uh, uh, 2nd Avenue, which is right by the old post office there. They, yep, that's they right. rebuild and, and give away or sell for a very low price bikes to people who need them. Uh, they do like seven 800 bikes a year. But they've got just this incredible warehouse of old bikes up there. It's awesome. I could do that. I could just... Make that part kind of a little part-time, my own personal sort of uh, mission. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I think you can make some make some headway doing that. Yeah, I could help some people. Now we're talking. Now it's not an obsession anymore. Now it's just uh, good acts. Being a man for the people. There you go. Um, but anyway, it's an awesome bike. I'm gonna. I have to ride it around a little bit and work out some of the kinks. It's not the safest bike in the world, maybe, but it's it's fun. Uh, we've got a great show for you today. Uh, by the way, you can go read all about it at KSO.com. I did post an update with some new photos. You can go see that bike, and uh, it's, just, it's just been fun. Uh, we've got a great show for you today. Our guests include South Dakota native Weston Christensen. He is, uh, just started his professional triathlon career. He's a professional triathlete, and uh, we'll talk to Weston. I remember when he was just a high school punk. He's grown up in Pierre, and he uh, called me one day, asked me about bikes because he wanted to get and Now he's a pro. Uh, multimedia star and pulp, pop, pop culture critic Scott Hudson is our weird friend today. Pat Powers at DakotaWarCollege.com will talk politics. And I'll have a P&L statement just after the break. Today's topic, oh, how about some farmers on the dole, a little uh, Hulkering Construction, Copper Lounge weirdness. It's all out there. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. 
321 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Yes, yes, yes. Getting a little closer to free today on the P&L statement, that time when we look around the news and find the things that frustrate, uh, concern, interest, and inspire me, and hopefully you. Uh, today, got two things, one national, one local. I wasn't sure which one I was going to do first. I keep going back and forth and back and forth. Let's start with the local. So this is a story in your Argus Leader today by uh, friends of the show, Jonathan Ellis and Joe Sneevy. And it's the ongoing issue uh, coming out, legal issues and such, coming from the Copper Lounge collapse. You remember that, where uh, the construction worker was killed and a uh, resident was trapped for a while, for hours. Uh, and a lot of fallout from that because Legacy Development was uh, involved in that. And they are the company involved with the big $50 million public-private partnership to build a parking ramp and a hotel, two hotels now, uh, in downtown Sioux Falls. But here's the deal. So this uh, company, Hultgren Construction, was uh, doing the work, right? And uh, Aaron Hultgren, also an officer in Legacy Development, and it's been very unclear what the relationship... Well, it turns out now, in the bankruptcy filing that uh, Mr. Ellis Ellis and Sneevy uh, found um, for Hultgren Construction... It shows that Aaron Holtgren, in fact, was not the majority owner of the company. The uh, other owners of the company, and there are three, uh, were also the other officers in legacy development. Norm Drake, Larry Canfield, Paul Sink. So apparently uh, Mr. Holtgren had 30% of the company. Mr. Drake had 30. Mr. Canfield and Mr. Sink both had 20 so what that says is that Legacy, the officers of Legacy owned Hulkern, the majority, when you put it all together. What does that mean? You know, in normal world, nothing. There are nothing, you know, but what this means is that the, to me, when I look at it, right, the company that we are now in partnership with on the parking ramp it has a significant uh, business exposure, right? And it's not the same construction company because they hired a different construction company, but Legacy was the developer. Does that mean anything for you publicly? Maybe not. Maybe not. But that's who we're in business with. We're in business with a company that has this exposure. If, you know, now here's the deal. Between all the LLCs that have been created, the shifting, the changing sands, it's hard to tell at some measure who's in business with us because we don't really know who is investing in this project, the PPP. So we'll continue to watch that, but that's, that's disconcerting. I'm not going to lie to you, and I don't know that if everybody knew that early on, we would have entered into that deal, would we? It's a good question. It's a very good question. And the problem is that that, you know, this tragedy had to happen. The company had to go bankrupt and everything else that has gone down had to go down for us to find out any of this information because it wasn't available before. So that's an issue. Now, I want to look nationally. You know, you know how I love the uh, trade war. Whew. So here's the news today from uh, this from the New York Times. The Trump administration on Tuesday announced up to $12 billion in emergency relief for farmers hurt by President's trade war, moving to insulate food producers from looming financial losses that would be a direct result of President Trump's policies. The aid to farmers announced by the United States Department of Agriculture will come through a direct assistance program, one designed to help with food purchase and distribution and one specifically geared toward promoting trade. The move is an indication of Mr. Trump ignoring the concerns of farmers, the representatives in Congress, and even some of his own aides about the adverse consequences of trade war he says he relishes, plans to plow forward in escalating his tariff tit-for-tat around the world. So uh, the, uh, the President Trump, uh, he, uh, 
He tweeted this. Okay. Tariffs are the greatest. Either a country which has treated the United States unfairly on trade negotiates a fair deal or it gets hit with tariffs. It's as simple as that. And everybody's talking. Remember, we are the piggy bank that's been robbed. All will be great. So what it comes down to is paying off farmers. You know, I've never met a farmer in my life who wanted a welfare check. I've, met, I've never met anybody in my life that wanted a welfare check. But I particularly never met a farmer who thought that getting bailed out by the government was a great thing. Isn't this what we criticize France for doing all these years? Basically subsidizing agriculture directly? Pretty sure that's what we've been criticizing France and much of the EU for. Instead of paying off the farmers who don't necessarily need to be paid off, unless you're you know, artificially depressing the prices by imposing tariffs on China. Instead of doing that, why don't you take the dang tariffs off, tariffs off, take that $12 billion and use the money to reinvest in workforce development for people who are displaced by globalization who you're claiming to help, for, help in the first place. Here's the dirty little secret about world economics, okay? We are not in the manufacturing industry. We are in the service economy. The majority of our gross domestic product in this country is service. And you know what? That's a good thing. Because that is a more sophisticated level of economy. And when you say service, you're talking about professional services, you're talking about uh, expertise, brain power. It's all those things. And making things is good. We should make things. But it's not the underpinning of our economy that it once was. And so, yes, the world changed. It globalized. So you have to help those people. But instead of helping those people, you know what we're doing? We're paying off the farmers to support this egomaniacal policy that says tariffs will actually change anything when they won't. They don't have an end game. They don't know what they're doing. It's bravado. It's ego. And it's wrong. And paying off the farmers is not going to help. What's going to happen next year? I mean, it just baffles my mind. That is the bottom line on today's PL statement. You can agree or disagree with me. Drop me a line, Patrick at KSO.com. Uh, you can uh, follow us on Twitter and uh, communicate with us there or on Facebook Live, always there as well. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, it's what do I, what have I been calling him? I've been calling him multi, multimedia star. And uh, pop culture critic, pop culture critic, Scott Hudson. He'll be in for weird friends. This is the Patrick Lally show. Information 1000 KSOO. Three thirty six on the Patrick Lally show. Information 1000 KSOO and uh, three placements. Uh, Alex Chilton, almost forgot the name of the song, which means it's time for Scott Hudson, or as we now call him, I screwed that up already, uh, multimedia <laughs> star and pop culture critic, Scott Hudson. That's part of his... That's me. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's me. That is now the trademarked uh, moniker of uh, our weird friend, Scott Hudson. Hey, uh, uh, how you been, man? You all right? You okay? Oh, well, I'm just, you know, you, you interrupted me. I'm, I'm kind of having an, uh, a, a Twitter fight with somebody. What? It's kind of fun. You a Twitter fight? Yeah, I know. Shocking, right? Yeah. So, is this uh, somebody we know? Oh no, 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 no. Oh, okay, this good. is like uh, an anonymous person who uh, thinks they got to stick their nose in other people's business. Really? <laughs> yeah. You... See, what happened was uh, our latest TV party cartoon came out a couple hours ago. Yeah. And uh, we're we're having a lot of fun doing it. And the TV party people said it's the most watched thing that they got on their app and. 
you know, it's like super, super successful. Yep. And one of the things that we do that my partner Colette does, she does a great impression of somebody that's on the show <laughs> who literally lives in a trailer in Virginia. <laughs> awesome. So she does a great impression of her. And this woman came out of the woodworks to say that she's offended by it, that it's demeaning a, a culture. It's like, Colette lives. Like in the, she lives in Virginia too. <laughs> she can so do I, that. I don't. Yeah, I don't get that. I mean, that is is the Fargo thing. You know, the, the 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 way people speak in Fargo, according to movies, is that offensive to us? No, we think it's funny. Yeah. So uh, apparently, doing this pretty accurate impression of a person on a TV show is offensive to an entire the entire south i guess i don't get it <laughs> so they they just they think it's offensive and so they decided to tweet you and that's yes so then it becomes a tit for tatty yeah oh yeah well i mean i was right away so well i'm sorry you don't like it you know you know mm-hmm. uh we can't please everybody and then she kind of went on and on a little bit more and it's like i i just kind of did the the shrugs thing you know, mm-hmm. it's like i i don't really care if you if you're that offended by a show she says she listens to our podcast so ah. if you're that offended by what we do on it why would you listen but that goes back to the whole howard stern thing the people who hated him listened on average longer than people who love him oh absolutely they just couldn't it's like a, a moth to the flame you couldn't yeah. stay away yes the uh, well, i don't i just get so tired of people that Get offended over nothing. I mean, that's been a running thing I've had, you know, I guess for decades. Yes, really. this is part of your character, part of yes. your personality. <laughs> it's in it's ingrained in who you are. Uh, I, I've just, uh, I have the TV Party app now on my phone, by the way. And, oh, cool. Uh, I've watched a couple episodes, and it is pretty good. They're pretty funny. <laughs> they I, I, are we're, funny. We're, we're having a lot of fun doing them. Um yeah, and the you illustration know, we, is great. I mean, the the whole visuals part of it is really cool. They do some they do some neat things. You, yeah, you look like you've gotten more of a beard now. Yeah, I don't I don't know what they're doing with that, but that's fine. You're I'd, I'd rather a shadow. <laughs> 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 but you look good. It it doesn't you know it's a reasonable. Well, it's a, it's a idealized version of you. Let's just say that. Idealized. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so and the thing is, I mean, the, the bottom line is, even if she's not doing it hate filled, no, you know what I mean? No, it's so different. Like we have a one of our bonus shows. I imitate a character that's on one of the other shows, and it's not hateful. It's just I can actually do a, a, an impression. Oh, that's good. So you, you found another uh, multimedia tool to use, impressions. Exactly, exactly. That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, this, you know, this really is, though, it, you're always uh, finding these people. Well, that, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the problem when you have a podcast that is fairly successful, um, you know, or a blog or anything online, radio show. Yeah. I don't know anything about a successful radio show, but I got one. <laughs> I have a show. But you do get people coming out of the woodworks to complain and nitpick and, you know, it's part of the game. Yeah, I don't people, really. people really, I mean, they, at one measure, they're too sensitive, right? You can't worry about yes. that. On the other hand, you know, if that's what, if that's what makes you happy, like there are people in this world, I honestly believe, who just are, are, are happy, are, are happy if they're complaining. You know what I mean? They don't. True. That's their that's their understanding of contentment is to be, uh, yes. I was going to say yes. bitching about something. And I thought maybe I can't say that on the radio. And then I went ahead and did it or, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's, you see it all the time. It just becomes what feeds their character. And without right. that, without that, they don't know what to do. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in a f- couple Facebook groups for a couple TV shows and I'm amazed at what people will do. If they don't like somebody on a show, they will go stalk their Twitter and their Instagram and their Facebook, and they will they will just bombard them with hate. And I'm just like, I don't follow anyone I don't like on social media. Mm-hmm. Why would I? Why would I follow someone I don't like? Why would I read 
want to read any more than I have to already endure them on the show. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The, yeah, you don't want to increase your exposure to people you don't like, but there are. That's what a lot of people use social media for, and I think that's the, you know, whether it's politics, pop culture, music, it doesn't yes. matter. There's just this, this, this terrible bitchiness to it. That sure, I mean, everybody gets upset, right? And right. everybody, you know, you people are critical. You're a critical person. You are, in fact, a pop culture critic on this yeah. show. But, but I will not go, I will not, let's, let's say there's somebody on Big Brother that I hate, which usually most years there is. When they're off the show, I'm not going to start tweeting at them, oh, you're such a horrible person. Oh, you ruined my season. Why, why were you on? You know what I mean? I'm not <laughs> yeah. going to do that. that. That just seems ridiculous. Or, or some people even go after their families. Yeah. That's Which, weird. It's That's just, just weird. And I, you know, you can see that how celebrities, you know, um, they have to deal with stalkers and all that and how it really can start to freak you out, you know? Yes, definitely. Not just be, not just be a, uh, inconvenience or, or what have you, but really start to freak you out. Like these people, there's something wrong with these people, right. you know? And uh, you never know. You never know how somebody that just is, throwing you a couple insult tweets may have something else going on in their mind that you don't want to know about. Yeah. It just keeps escalating and escalating and escalating. It's tough. It's tough being you, isn't it, Scott? Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> hey, uh, can you stick around? I want to talk a little bit about music. Is that cool? Sure. Awesome. We'll be right back with Scott Hudson on uh, more weird friends. This is the Patrick Lally show information. 1000 KSOO. Three forty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO, and we continue to chat with Scott Hudson, who, of course, is the resident pop culture critic and multimedia star for the Patrick Lally Show. That's right. That is an official designation now. Um, I like the new bumper music there. Yeah, well, I, you know, I've always had "Kiss Me on the Bus" uh, okay. in the list, and but it's on a different screen, so I always forget about it. But I found oh. it today, so I, I like that one a lot. I, I, it worked. Yeah, I like it. It's a good bumper. I'm going to keep using that one. Um, hey, uh, usually we talk about music. We talk about pop culture. We talk about music. Uh, and um, just as a final word on the TV party thing, I did realize today that I, I did not have my TV party app on the main screen of my phone. I have now upgraded it to main screen. So wow. I, I think I'm going to actually watch it more than I was. Well, good. Uh, yeah, that's good go. to hear. Yeah. Uh, and if folks want to watch uh, the BB show, they just have to go to TV Party, uh, get the app, and uh, it's right there. It's free. Yeah, it's cool. And it's short. What is it, eight minutes, something like that, nine minutes? Uh, we've had a, the, the latest is only two minutes. They want, to, they want us to get it so that they can actually tweet it without it act, needing to be in the app. Ah, got it. So they've had us cut it down. We're, we're trying it that way for a little bit. We'll yeah. see how that goes. But the last couple were... Seven to eight minutes. Yeah, awesome. I got to watch the latest one that came out today. Uh, but we, we, I always want to talk about music. So what are you listening to? What's Hudson's hot pick of the week? Uh, well, the best release of last week is a collaboration between a person by the name of Ty Seagal, who I've talked about before, mm-hmm. and a, a band called White Fence. Um, I know most people don't know who either of these uh, artists are, but White Fence is a great, great band that's put out a few records over the year. Ty Seagal is a guy who is always making music. He, he's either just released a new album or he's about to release a new album. He's just, he, I don't, I, I guess he just lives and breathes it and, and con- is continually writing and performing, which is exciting. That is amazing. So wh- remind me, like, what are his roots? Uh, how, is this a guy who's been around a long time or, uh, because you do talk um, to him quite a bit. He's been around about 10 years. Um, I, I I think he might have originally been from Chicago, but he like he moved to the West Coast in like the mid two thousands, and uh, and found a, a group of people that are like like minded that all they all have their own bands too. They all play on each other's records. They all tour with each other as their own bands. There's there's Mikhail Cronin. There's another guy in that group. Uh, Charles Moothart, um, his band CFM was here a couple times hmm. in the last couple of years. 
it's just a it's just a weird eclectic group of musicians that love to play. Is it all good? I mean, do you like most of it, or is it uh, just tie? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean that's the thing when when somebody puts out that much music, you start to wonder if if it's you know if there's going to be a drop in quality. Uh, Guided by Voices used to be a lot the same way, and mm. they did have a drop in quality because he was putting out too much music. Um, these guys, I think Ty is more like Ryan Adams, who even though he put out a lot of records, they were all pretty good. Yeah, it was all always worth listening to. You know. Yeah, yeah. Ty's Ty's along the same way. Uh, the record he put out in January is definitely in my top five for the year. Yeah, and what one? What one was that? What was that called? Oh, I don't have the yeah, title remember. in front of me. You've here. talked about it before. It's Seagal. Is it like uh, Steven Seagal spelled the same? Uh, <laughs> S-E-G-A-L-L. Oh, two L's. Okay, awesome. Yes. And T-Y. T-Y. Yep. T-Y Seagal. And once that door is open, there's a, a plethora of music behind it, right? Yeah, it's all, it's all I mean, there is, it's like noisy, but yet catchy. There's a little bit of garage to it, but there's a lot of classic rock. I mean, that this latest tie thing, there were a couple of tracks where it's like, oh, wow, this is kind of Zeppelin-ish even. Oh, my so, God. Yeah. Flashbacks. So what's coming up on the uh, the Ledge, your music live show online and podcast? What's this Friday? Oh, boy, good question. <laughs> <laughs> it's, only wet. it's only Tuesday. It's yeah, way I mean, too early on. in the week. Yeah. Uh, last last week I did another 1978 show that was that was a lot of fun. Um, oh, cool. There was so much music from that year. I that was my fourth show with that as a theme, and I got enough music for a couple more. Wow! And so, what was give me us uh, give us the highlights of uh, last week's show? That's up in a podcast right now. Uh, last week's show was uh, uh, the East Coast of the U.S. and and also Canada. So there was a lot of stuff from New York, like uh, um, the Cramps. Mm. and um, Johnny Thunders, people oh, like yeah. that. Yeah, awesome. And, yeah, fun stuff. Uh, Scott Hudson, he is the uh, official pop music or pop culture critic and multimedia star of the Patrick Lally Show, and we like to have him on about once a week for Weird Friends. Scott, uh, it's always great. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to chat with Pat Powers of the Dakota War College blog about some state politics Always a good time, so stay close for that. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public service announcement with guitar. Fifty-seven on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And uh, I have an announcement for you people. For those of you who have been fans of Corey Heidelberger on this show, Dakota Free Press blogger out of Aberdeen, I have bad news. And I love Corey, and I love Pat Powers, our two bloggers. So the book ends. Pat Powers is on today after the news and weather. Corey has had a change in his schedule. And he no longer can do the show, which is really a bummer. And I'll still use his blog because I think he's a very interesting cat with a lot of, finds a lot of good stuff. Uh, he's really a, actually a good researcher and good reporter. And uh, so I hope to still include him when I can, but he's not going to be on here regularly. I'm so bummed about that. So, but stay with us. Give us another chance. Or if you've got a suggestion on a new blogger, throw him my way. Patrick at KSO.com. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking. I need a new liberal. As I said, coming up after the news and weather today, it's Pat Powers. He of the GOP persuasion on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Four oh six on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And uh, as I mentioned earlier... Tuesdays used to be the domain of, uh, of the liberals uh, with uh, uh, Corey Heidelberger of DakotaFreePress.com. Corey's schedule has changed, and uh, Pat Powers, he stepped right into that Tuesday slot when he used to be on Wednesday. So I think this is where we're going to leave you, Pat. How about that? You know, that I'm, I'm pretty easygoing. Uh, it's, uh, it's good to see Corey maybe doing something gainfully for once. But... <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I'll I'll take that as a good-hearted uh, jab. Um, the uh, uh, I'm I'm open to uh, new replacements. By the way, I said this earlier. Uh, if you have any suggestions, send them my way. I know you pay attention to these things more than most. There aren't as many bloggers out there as there used to be, are there, Pat? No, no. In fact, uh, we we lost one of the good ones here uh, uh, recently. Uh, we had. Uh, um, Denise Ross, oh, who yeah. used to blog uh, with the Rapid City Journal and uh, and the Hoghouse blog, passed away from cancer this uh, this uh, last weekend, I believe. And uh, you know, she w- she in the past had been pretty active in the blogging community. Yeah, she was one of the early bloggers out there at Mount Blogmore at uh, the Rapid City Journal. Uh, it's very very sad news about Denise. Uh, she was a SDSU graduate, I believe. She grew up in. Murdo, maybe somewhere out there, and uh, but anyway, she was my first intern at Tempest Magazine, circa about nineteen ninety ninety one. So Denise and I went way back, and that was that was sad news. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, people are are continuing on in her journalistic spirit, so that's good. Uh, what's going on in your world, man? Uh, you, I saw uh, on the Dakota War College blog, uh, you uh, had some. Uh, uh, I don't want it. They were not choice words. They were just uh, you were pointing out the uh, some um, issues, perhaps with uh, with Billy Sutton's uh, take on on the income tax. I, not that you have a problem with his position, but it's kind of interesting. He uh, is uh, he's uh, fully supportive of not having an income tax. Did you were you surprised by that? Well, you know, for for South Dakota, where there's there's definitely kind of been a line between the Republicans and the Democrats where Democrats have traditionally been in favor of the state income tax and uh, Republicans have uh, since the time of George Mickelson. I, I remember uh, some of my early days working in politics. Uh, one of the big campaign, uh, one of the one of the big lines that drew the line between Republicans and Democrats was, you know, we're We've got South Dakota moving in the right direction without a state income tax. In fact, he's been a major selling point uh, from from his time to to governors since. So, uh, you know, for him, uh, for for Billy Sutton to come out and and say he's against uh, he's against an income tax, he, he's certainly trying to paint himself as as Republican as possible. I mean. He, Went out and found himself a Republican running mate, and and now he's out there talking about how he's against the state income tax. At the same time, Democrats in the plat in their failed convention, but uh, they adopted a for, for one of the firmest positions they have in years on the income tax, where they came out and talked about the fair taxation, including income. Yeah, and you, know, you don't get any clearer than that. Uh, you know, when when they've kind of been getting beat up by Republicans over it in the past, and they've kind of wiggled around it, but they came out for the first time in a number of years and, and said they're okay with the taxing based on income. And it, it is kind of surprising when your uh, top-of-the-ticket uh, candidate sa- disagrees with the party platform on something as fundamental as taxation. Correct, correct, and and I, I mean I, I it was it's kind of it's kind of shocking, uh, you know some of the candidates in more recent years have maybe just avoided the question, right? But uh, but Billy came out and said he's a you know he he's going to draw a, a different position than his party and and he's going to say no on an income tax when they're all saying yes. It's a little surprising too, I, you know. I think that the, uh, the some of the folks on the left in South Dakota, um, or you know, even mainstream Democrats, are pretty disappointed um, thus far in in Billy. In that, and it, it's not that they don't like Billy Sutton and he doesn't have a great story and all these things, but he's pro life, uh, very pro Second Amendment, which is not surprising, and anti income tax. I mean, I'm, where are the Democrat parts in that? I, you know what I'm saying? It's it's a kind of a it's a tough sell to the base of the Democratic Party when you don't believe in many of the things that the Democratic Party appears to believe. Well, as as the Republican Party has tended to shift more towards the right, uh, 
the, the Democrat Party, I, I would say, compared to, you know, 20, 30, or 40 years ago, has, has shifted farther to the left. And, and South Dakota as a whole, I mean, I, I remember when races used to be more competitive between Republicans and Democrats, and, and now it's, uh, it's taken a definite uh, slant to the right in terms of what party uh, South Dakotans support as a whole. And, and I think that's shown by uh, the declining numbers of Democrats who've been able to get elected. Yeah, and the declining number of Democrats in South Dakota overall. Correct. Uh, and the increasing number of independents. So the question becomes, do these policies that he is espousing, does his story, do all these factors uh, bundle together to say, um, I'm actually going after as many of those non, you know, non-affiliated voters as I possibly can. It's not a matter of getting moderate Republicans, which is important. It's a matter of getting huge chunks of the people who are not affiliated. Well, that might be his strategy, but I, I doubt it's going to be successful because uh, first and foremost, uh, you know, the biggest rule is you've got to hold your base before you start going after what the other person has. And and I think he's he's leaving his base behind, and they aren't necessarily going to vote Democrat when the person at the top of the ticket doesn't represent them. No, and that's what happened to Stephanie Herseth to some measure. She was she supported the war. She uh, uh, was against uh, um, uh, gay marriage. She you know she was a very she tried to play a very conservative Democrat card, and she lost her base. That was one of the, they didn't turn out for, and she lost. Correct. And so that, that's a tough, tough road to hoe. We'll see how it goes for Mr. Sutton. Uh, Pat Powers, we're going to come right back and talk more with the author of the Dakota War College blog here in a moment, just after a break. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four nineteen on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and uh, we've got Pat Powers on the line. He of the DakotaWarCollege.com blog, based in beautiful Brookings, South Dakota. And Pat writes about uh, GOP issues primarily. Um, before we get into some legislative stuff, Pat, uh, what are how do you think this news about $12 billion in payments to farmers is going to go over in farm country? Do you think that's favorable or not? Well... I and I honestly haven't uh, I haven't looked at it uh, long enough today. Yeah, to, to I kind of dumped that on you. My apologies. <laughs> uh, but you know, I I think it, uh, it 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 may help soften the blow from the tariffs. Uh, it, it's kind of hard to you know if they're if they're going to you know make it up to them uh, on the fact. Uh, well, you know, if they're not going to be sacrificed as part of the tariff war, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's kind of hard to complain about it. Yeah. I just don't think people like, they'd rather just have good prices. You know what I mean? I think farmers want good prices, fair prices, you know, and that's, uh, it's, it's, it's just such a weird thing. Um, but that's not why I have you here. Uh, two things. One, uh, what is this deal now? Um, there's two empty seats out in West River, right? Well, there are in uh, in the House in District Twenty Nine. Uh, Larry Roden resigned from his uh, House candidacy uh, because he was running for reelection. But he resigned from his candidacy for that seat because he was selected to be uh, Christy Nome's lieutenant governor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for for running in the race, and so uh, you can't run for two races at once. So he resigned to uh, become half of the uh, the other half of the gubernatorial ticket. And so what has to happen is that the uh, Republican Party, for the precinct committee men and committee women, and uh, oh, county, county Republican officials, uh, in, you know, just not just the party, but also elected officials who reside in that district, who are Republican, mm-hmm. uh, they are going to go vote on who the replacement for Larry Roden is going to be. And, and there's a, there's actually a list I've heard anywhere from uh, 5 to 11 people who have an interest in running for that seat. Uh, well, right now I'm, I'm seeing 
they've got people, uh, you know, Linda Roush, who is the uh, state party vice chair, is looking at running for that seat. And Bill Cluck, who lost the uh, Senate primary uh, in that district, is, is looking at running for that House seat. And there's, there's several others who are all looking to replace Larry Roden. And so they'll be, uh, what they do is they get kind of everybody in the, in the hat and then uh, balloting continues until one candidate receives more than 50% of the vote. And after, after every vote, they start dropping people off until they eventually get down to somebody who gets hmm. uh, over 50% of the votes. And so, and so that, that process is going to be happening. I believe that is, uh, uh, that, that election is coming up on Thursday. It's like a legislative district convention. <laughs> that's what it's well, li- like. literally, literally that's, that's what it is. It's, that's uh, pretty wild. it's kind of a convention and, and they've uh, they all ballot, and then they eventually pick the person who will be replacing uh, Larry on the ballot. And they've got that same process to go through for uh, District Twenty Nine State Senate, because if you recall, Lance Russell resigned from his candidacy so he could run as a uh, in the race for Attorney General. Mm-hmm. And he didn't get the nomination at the convention because that's all that works. And Correct. So now he's he's out of a gig, right? How, so what happens? Who's who's going to get that then? Well, as as I understand right now, uh, for Lance's seat, there are two candidates. Uh, there could be more because people could pop up at the last moment. But right now, there's two candidates to replace Lance. One of them is Bruce Rampelberg, who ran in the primary. For this, for the state senate seat against Lance, mm-hmm. Bruce has got his name in the in the hat, and Lance is also <laughs> put his name in the hat to be his own replacement. Can you now, do that? That's, well, that's a good question, and and somebody asked me that, and I said, well, uh, the only the only one who wins on that one are the lawyers because I I suspect there there could be a fight about that. Well, it's pretty interesting because. There's, that's not that many people in each in a legislative district, right? I mean, how many people are going to make that, who will show up for this, first of all, uh, for these legislative conventions? It's, it can't be that many people. So you've got a handful of people making a decision, basically, who's going to be the next legislator from those districts. Well, right? it's, it, well it, they'll make the decision on who the candidate is, because both of those seats are, are challenged. Uh, now, the uh, there's more people than you think, because... Uh, you have all the precinct people for that legislative district, and, and in say District Twenty Nine, uh, that's uh, I believe that's members of the Meade County and Butte County Central Committee, and you know however many precincts there are in those counties. Mm-hmm. Then you've got two people per precinct who are committee men and, mm-hmm. and committee women. Then you have the elected officials for those two counties. Uh, you know, whoever's a Republican and residing in those districts. And then you also have the uh, Republican county officials, the chair, the vice chair, who all reside in that district. It, you know, you might end up with, it could be as many as 30 to 50 people, especially in District 30, because that has people from Pennington County and then Fall River and Custer County. Hmm. So and it's uh... it, there, there's a lot of Republicans elected in those areas. That's a lot of, uh, that's retail politics at its finest, right? Mano a mano, <laughs> or wimano to wimano. I, I don't know how that is, just use the phrase. Uh, that's, uh, that's very interesting. We'll, we'll have to watch the Dakota War College blog for the results on that. You'll keep us up to date, right, Pat? Well, well, absolutely. Thursday, Thursday night, they're choosing District 29 House, and then Friday evening, they're doing uh, District 30 State Senate. I believe they're meeting in Custer. Woohoo! Big Friday night in Custer. Look That's out! Right. <laughs> That's awesome. Pat Powers, uh, he is the uh, runs the Dakota War College dot com blog out of Brookings. Pat, thanks a lot for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. After the news and weather with Mister Dan Peters, we're going to chat with Weston Weston Christensen. He of uh, originally a peer, I believe, and is now a professional triathlete. We'll find out what that life's all about. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four thirty-four on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 
And I am joined now on the phone from way out in Ipswich, Massachusetts, uh, Weston Christensen. He is a peer. He grew up in peer, and he uh, uh, recently turned professional triathlete. Weston, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show today. No problem. So uh, you are a professional triathlete. Um, when did you turn pro and, and how did you ever decide to do this, Weston? Um, I just turned pro this, this January. Um, last year, I finished up my swimming career at South Dakota State in, the, in February and I kind of needed something to do, so I thought I'd give triathlon a shot. I'd run cross-country and track in high school, so it seemed like a logical thing to do. And I started racing, and the season went much better than I expected. Um, I ended up qualifying for my elite license through the USA Triathlon mm-hmm. um, Points Series um, with that, with good performances at age group nationals and the amateur race at Ironman 70.3 world championships, which, uh, attracted the ten- attention of my current coach out here. And he called me up and told me he was gathering some athletes to do a daily training environment where we all live together and train over the summer out here on the East coast and asked me if, um, I'd be interested in joining. So I took the shot and he recommended that I, apply for my elite license so that we could get in some professional races and really start working against the top competition this summer. And what was that like getting in your first professional race when you look around, uh, you know, often with the triathlons, uh, pro triathlons, you're, you're out on a, a dock of some sort of barge and you're, you're all lined up there and you're sort of looking side to side and you're like, what am I doing? Did you ever think that? Yeah. It was pretty nerve wracking when I lined up for my first real pro race this summer in New York city. We had um, some Olympians in the field, including one that I'd uh, seen last year at 70.3 worlds where I was doing the amateur race. Uh, Ben Canute was the top American there and he finished second overall in a competitive field. And I saw him line up, lined up down the dock and just all sorts of athletes that I'd you know, read about and heard about. And all of a sudden here I am lining up on the dock with them. It was, it was pretty nerve wracking, but pretty exciting at the same time. And you're a, uh, uh, trained as a swimmer, a collegiate division one swimmer. Did that, does that give you, uh, an edge just coming out of the water that you're like, well, I'm not in last. <laughs> yes, it, it definitely helps. Um, it's good to be in the mix right away. And then, you know, you can kind of gauge where the field's at and just try to keep up from there for me, especially on the bike. Uh, I've only been training seriously on the bike for about a year, which puts me at a distinct disadvantage against a lot of these guys. But we're working on it, and we're hoping that next year I'll be able to do a lot better job there. So you, uh, as a pro, you you mentioned the 70.3, which is a – uh, the half Ironman distance that people might be familiar with. There's the Ironman different distance, which is, you know, uh, 140.6. Then the half is 70.3. There's Olympic distances. There's, uh, which are 5440s, all these different distances. Um, what do you do typically in a pro race? What distances are you doing? It really varies depending on the kind of race. My coach right now really wants me to start doing more draft legal races and a draft legal race basically is the difference is you're allowed to ride together on the bike. You can slot in right behind someone and get your front wheel right inches behind their back wheel, getting an aerodynamic advantage because you're, you don't have as much wind resistance Mm -hmm. and that really changes the race as you know, it's important to get up with that front group on the swim Mm -hmm. and then you can kind of do, if you can get away with maybe doing less work on the bike, and then it's a the really important run, which could be suited for me, given that my strengths are the swimming and the running. Mm. So we've been focusing right now more on the sprint and Olympic distances because those are draft legal races. Uh, there's no draft legal half Ironman or Ironman races. Um, the International Triathlon Union does draft legal races, 
And so that's kind of the, the path we've been working towards at the moment and, and just trying to build up my speed at the same time. And draft legal is, is what you see in the Olympics, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, are those, uh, two British brothers, they still, uh, killing everybody in that, in the draft legal? The Brownleys still are pretty prominent. Yes. For a while, nobody um, could beat those guys. Yeah. They're still up there. We're hoping to get some Americans in there. Um, and I know Ben Canute, who we were, I just raced a couple of times actually this summer has been, has been up there in some races, but they have a really good run that's. That makes them tough to beat. So, yeah, they just pull away. It's a, it is really amazing to watch because in draft legal, you do get these bunches, right? And so everybody comes off the bike or a group may come off the bike at the same time, and then it's all about the run. Are you, yeah, uh, um, um, when you do, when you do, uh, uh, how many, first of all, how many pro races have you den- done now that you've been out uh, on the East Coast and, and training out there? Just finished my third race on Sunday in Boston. It was supposed to be an Olympic distance uh, triathlon, but due to weather, it was turned into a duathlon. Oh, bummer. No yeah, which swim. was a, too bad for me, yeah. <laughs> uh, the New York triathlon, I think I saw some uh, footage of that uh, on Facebook. You uh, uh, Wasn't that in the Hudson River? It was. That seems bad to me. <laughs> I, I tried to block that out <laughs> of my mind while we were on the docks and, you know, we could see bits of garbage floating under the dock oh. and, you know, you're about to get in there and get water in your mouth and everywhere. But, uh, the, the race atmosphere there was really cool. And so that blocked most of the, the grossness factor out. We got to ride and run right through like downtown New York. So you're going through these skyscrapers and it was a really, really cool atmosphere which which helped to make up for the the hut swimming in the Hudson. Do you have a little gastrointestinal difficulty after that one or are you all right? No, I luckily the whole team came through without getting ill. So <laughs> we were fortunate. That's good. Uh and how are your your results? I mean, I, you know, it's it's hard to to know right away when you've only done 3 races, but are you happy with how you're finishing? Are you doing better or than you thought? How's that working out for you? So far, I've I've learned a lot is what I'll say. <laughs> I was hoping for, for higher finishes, but I really, I made some mistakes and going up against the new level of competition, the they'll make you pay for your mistakes. It's not as easy to make up for it as at the amateur level or in some of the smaller races I had been doing. So I made some early mistakes in the races and really had to pay for them later. But I think that, I've been learning a lot and my coach, you know, has been helping me grow through these experiences and there's been some promising times, some promising signs too. My run has been really improving this summer, which I've been pretty pleased with. So I think that it's a good sign and I'll be ready to come back to racing more professional races next season. Just learned a lot this year. We're going to come right back and talk more with Weston Christensen about his Exploits as a professional triathlete, uh, currently training out in Massachusetts. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Maybe the sun will shine today. The clouds will blow away. 447 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and uh, we're very happy to be chatting with Weston Christensen, who is a uh, young man, grew up in Pierce, South Dakota, and is now a professional triathlete, competing professionally out on the East Coast and training in Massachusetts. Uh, Weston, um, so what's it like to be basically your whole purpose in life is essentially training every day? Uh, how, how has that been for you this summer and, and, and has it changed your perspective on, on just training and performance? It's definitely a new experience. There's a lot of things that take up a lot more time than I thought they might, you know, when you think about, Oh, just training all day, you've got to have tons of free time, but there's a lot of little things that we consider, you know, really important 
and we're trying to that really end up taking a lot of time out of your day. Like, you know, we've got to warm up, cool down, you know, make sure you get a lot of good stretching in and then get some core strength and some in, in injury prevention exercises. And then you add in like two or three workouts a day. Plus we got to spend quite a bit of time working on our own bikes. We, um, at the new pro level, there's not a lot of money involved. So trying to save money by doing a lot of things ourselves, like bike mechanic, bike mechanics, and just trying to do the simple things on our bikes, repairs and maintenance ourselves, which can end up taking a, a lot of time if you're not an expert on those things. Yeah. And how are your, how are your wrenching skills these days, Weston? They're improving. I'm <laughs> a little new to the bike. And so I've been fortunate to have some teammates who have more experience working with bikes, um, including Kip Kinsley, who's also from South Dakota, who works, who worked in a bike shop in Yankton. He's out here with us. So he's been a big help to me as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. He, I didn't realize he was out there as well. He used to just crush it. That's awesome. And, and, uh, how's he doing? He got mono this spring, (laughs) so he hasn't been able to race yet, but, um, he really crushed his first half iron man race this spring. So I'm, I'm expecting big things from him as soon as he gets back to racing. So you're going to, uh, uh, sort of what's your, your future hold here? What's, what's next for you? We have two more weeks here out on the East Coast this summer where we're going to keep training. And then I'm coming back to South Dakota. I have one more year at South Dakota State working on my master's degree in mechanical engineering. And I'm hoping to graduate in May. And then we'll see. I'm, I'm hoping to continue with, with triathlon and, you know, give, really give it a go and see if I can make it as a triathlete and where I just kind of have to play it by ear for now is to see how that goes. But I have a really good team out here and they're starting a full-time daily training environment. So what we did for this summer is going to be kind of full-time year-round thing. Um, as newer professionals, a lot of us will be working part-time jobs and to get to support our training. But we've got some potential sponsors for the team, so that would definitely help us out. So this team, uh, what, what's the team called again? It's called Nor'easter Triathlon Team, or the Nor'easter Elite Team. And it's a new, fairly new operation then? Yeah, it started just a few years ago with our coach, um, James Peterson, and just one or two athletes. And it's kind of been growing just a little bit since then. Um, this year, we really took a big jump with the daily training environment. We've got some great athletes who came out for that and the team has really taken off. What, what have you learned about, uh, for us amateurs, uh, back here, us, uh, old, slow, fat guys. Um, what have you learned from your, uh, training in, uh, an Ipswich that, uh, you pass on maybe not as a, uh, professional just, but for everybody, what, what did you learn that you think that everybody needs to know to just perform at the highest level they can? I think there's a lot of, a lot of details that I was neglecting before I got a coach and really started a more focused training plan. And some of the details that I, yeah, I could get away with in South Dakota, like my bike handling skills need a lot of work. Um, here there's a lot less, flat, straight roads. Yeah. So you really got to be able to corner well. And that wasn't something I'd practiced a lot. I'd, you know, be able to go out in the country and go straight as far as I wanted to. Mm-hmm. So I didn't spend a lot of time working on small things like bike handling, um, handling my bike in the rain, uh, you know, transitions. It's a lot of really small, like, the things that seem like small details can really make a big difference in your race. And you've, you've really got to focus not just on, you know, getting better at each thing individually, but working on them together. Uh, and you've got a blog, uh, Weston Christensen Triathlon at word.wordpress.com. And I've put a link of that link to your blog on our Twitter feed at P. Lally Show. So if people want to follow along with you there, they can do that. Um, um, so you had mentioned uh, trying to get sponsors. Do you have sponsors? How's that work? Well, as a, as a pretty new professional, I haven't really attracted much sponsorships i you know i try but so 
so far, so far, Spoken Sport has been really great to me. They've um, really helped me out, get my bike ready, and they're just great at working on my bike um, and helping me with advice and stuff. There's a lot of biking skills and things that are new to me. They've been really good with just whatever I need, you know, really helping me figure out what I should be doing. Yeah. And I, I can't say enough good things about them. And that's a shop here in Sioux Falls. Are you riding felt then? I do. I ride a felt bicycle at a felt IA. And I've, oh. I got that last year from Focus for it, and I loved it. Yeah, it's a sweet bike. Felt makes a nice bike, and they're big in the triathlon world. So that's cool. Um, well, Weston Christensen, best of luck to you, sir, and uh, have fun training. Uh, when's your next race? The next race on the schedule is September 8th, the Wildlife Loop out in the Black Hills in South Dakota. So yeah. We may find one in between now and then. We'll see. That's also a fun race. Uh, well, best of luck to you, sir, and uh, uh, we will hopefully follow along and, and maybe get to talk to you again real soon. All right. Thank you so much for having me on the show. No problem. The uh, Coming up after the break, we'll find out what's going to happen in the next couple of days on the show. And... Uh, catch you up there this is the patrick lally show information 1000 ksoo hey everybody it's 458 at the patrick lally show information 1000 ksoo hey you know what we don't have a show tomorrow twins play at three o'clock in Toronto, and they got a dome, so there's no rain out. I know, and it's Canada, so they do it at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I don't know. Or maybe there's another reason. It's very weird. But be here Thursday, because Rick Noby, yes, that Rick Noby, will be back from the high seas with a story to tell about Russian spies. It's true. Stay with us on Information 1000 KSOO. KSOO.